Welcome back, everyone, to the Blueprint Pros Podcast. This is a an exciting re-engagement that we have for you. We've been off the air for a little bit, but uh, while we're off there, we're working on some amazing things for you. And what we have for you today is Patricia Rezzatello, and she is going to talk to you about one of the most important things that is often overlooked about your current business or when you started your business, which is what are the things you need to make sure you do to personally, financially, and legally protect yourself? And more importantly, preserve the investments that you've made and the rewards that come from having your own small business. And uh, Patricia, welcome. It's a joy. It's a pleasure. It's an honor to be here. <laughs> so we're, we're just going to jump right into it. Patricia, tell us. Well, I guess for everyone's benefit, let me tell you how Patricia and I met. We were on a uh, global forum at the beginning of the year talking about how you actually find other people in the market that you potentially can work with to drive five and 10 and 20 X results in your business. And so as part of the matchmaking part of the forum, we were able to uh, meet with one another, exchange information, because we thought there might be something for us to, uh, to, to work on together. And I said, Patricia, I got people who need to hear what you are working on and what you're talking about and what your business is all about, because one of the fundamental issues that my tribe small business owners, women business owners, minority business owners, LGBTQ business owners, veteran business owners, disabled business owners struggle with is they nobody actually tells them how to put their businesses together to protect all the things that they uh, hope to get out of it. And before they know it, they got all this hard work in and they've lost everything. And she goes, well, Randall, let me talk to your people. I'm like, yes, 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 <laughs> let's do it. So with that as the backdrop, Patricia, why don't you share with us a little bit more about uh, what you do and how you came to do it? Or, or I guess more importantly, who are you? Tell us a little bit about All right. you. <laughs> well, I'm, <laughs> I'm a Northern Minnesotan who I've been interested in business my whole life. Uh, and that started... I mean, my, when I was born, my dad was running this greenhouse in our front yard. I thought it, this was normal. Um, and so even before I was a teenager, I was trying to sell things. As a teenager, I was trying to sell things. It's a process. We have to learn how to do this. <laughs> um, in my 20s, I joined several MLMs a couple of times each. <laughs> But multi-level it's, marketing, a number of us have our stories on that, yes. Yes, everybody's got their story, and there was things that I came out of there. I, I learned some things. Um, primarily, I learned that I needed to work on some certain things, <laughs> and that's always a good thing. Um, when my husband and I moved back to northern Minnesota in 2000, um, well, I ended up hurting my back really bad at work. I started a little business online, which was essentially a podcast. Still didn't know how to sell. In 2007, 2008, just at the beginning of the Great Recession, right? <laughs> Here I am. Now I'm importing 
salt from Pakistan. I mean, shipping rocks across the ocean and across two thirds of the United States. I right? love you had a global business in I the did. early 2000s. I love it. I love it. And I didn't know how to sell. So I brought on a coach and he introduced me to, oh, it was just, it was completely eye opening. And he introduced me to people like Dan Kennedy and Jay Abraham. And if you don't know who these people are, go look them up. They're really important in your business. Uh, wow. I mean, I've just continually been starting one enterprise after another. Maybe they weren't so successful, but I learned a little bit each time and I got better. Um, and so direct response marketing actually is where I came in to the business world because Hey, that's interesting when I can, you know, walk into somebody's office or their home, right? And I can sell them something. It's like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. You know, that's powerful. So I've learned a lot about direct response marketing. So then in 2017, I signed up to be a business coach, a marketing coach. And yes, that's a big challenge to market yourself. <laughs> and then I learned that there was things that most of my clients almost all, all of my clients needed before we went and applied marketing to their business. And, oh my gosh, it, it made it really hard for me to market myself for one. <laughs> I can't sell you this. You need things before that. I don't know what they are. but <laughs> So then I did find what at least part of this was. And it's a thing that I find people minimizing um doing as an afterthought in their business and even the people the professionals who should be advising them their attorneys their accountants their cpas don't really know most most of the time what they're talking about and therefore aren't really advising well um and so, you know, I, I dove into learning about business legal structure strategy. Strategy is more than what state am I going to do? Oh, I'm going to do it in Wyoming. Oh, I'm going to do it in Nevada or Delaware. And some of those states charge you enormous franchise fees for renewal year after year after year. It's not a bonus. It's not, it's not the great thing that it's supposed to be. So you need to know where you're going to go, which means you need a good advisor, somebody that actually, you know, does this strategy all the time. They save people hundreds of thousands of dollars. And, uh, you know, they know what they're doing. They can answer all the questions. They can tell your CPA. They can tell your attorney how this all works. You know, it, I like the way you, you teed that up and thank you for sharing that because I think it helps folks to understand how it was that you identified the need for your own business, let alone how it was you were able to start figuring out what really needed to happen. And I think most people don't really have a good understanding of the legal or accounting professions. You know, you think about a medical doctor and you think about all the specialists, you know, you got eye specialists and ear specialists and heart specialists and kidney specialists and neat bone specialists and foot specialists. And you got all these different specialties and it's like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go to uh, my foot doctor or a podiatrist if I have a cold. 
But right, somehow, and you're not going to go to your GP if you've got a toothache. Right. But somehow, you, you, you know, somewhere in business is like, well, I just need a lawyer. And, and you just assume that, you know, the lawyer is going to be able to give you advice on all things legal, not knowing that you have transaction lawyers and you have family uh, lawyers and you, you have... Um, uh, 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 civil uh, attorneys and, and you've got you, you contract attorneys these... and you've got all kinds of different kinds of attorneys. All right. And to say, you, you know, so you got different types of doctors, you got different types of attorneys, you have different types of accountants. Okay. Yes. And, and so when you get advice from any one of them, that advice is probably specific to what they specialize in, which may not be what you need for your business. <laughs> right. Right. They may just be good at keeping books. They're a historical accountant most of the time. They know a little bit about the tax structures, you know, like, so they'll tell people, oh, go get an LLC or, oh, get an S-Corp. And you don't understand why and how this particular structure works, nor do you understand how the other structures works and why you should have this one instead of this one. Or maybe something that was, you know, multi-structural, multi-entity, <laughs> and, you know, a more complex structure that is actually going to protect your everything, you know? Um, so I have a friend who, going into the Great Recession, right, had invested in a number of rental units with his clients, he had invested, you know, 3% in these, these, um, these units. And so the recession hit and, you know, people, they were, they, they were just getting foreclosed. Bam, bam, bam. They lost over a million dollars worth of homes. Wow. But, and he did have to sell the big, beautiful house he was living in, but he was not homeless. His vehicles were, you know, untouched. Um, his family didn't disown him. <laughs> he was not living under a bridge. I've seen people who ended up after a divorce, literally living under a bridge. Wow. Wow. And, you know, if you had your assets protected and your business structure can indeed protect personal assets, if it's set up right, when you have your assets protected, all of these things that are out there that can kill a business, your business might go away, but you're going to keep most of your assets. I, I love the way you teed that up. So share share with the, the listeners a little bit about um, what you discovered regarding, you know, and I think it's going to be a, just a, an extension of the story you were just sharing, but uh, how the wealthy protect their assets. Absolutely. So the wealthy don't just have an LLC and they don't just have a C corporation somewhere. They've got a whole structure that works back and forth together. It's a dynamic structure. They've got a trust, they've got, you know, a C corporation, they've got an LLC or however many they need of these different structures. Um, and the structures work together to minimize their taxes, to protect their assets. And if something should happen to the individual, 
or you know the business owner it's going to keep the business running it's going to keep it out of probate well you can't really keep it out of probate but it's going to keep it running while it's in probate so what happens with probate let's say you've got a business that's an llc and something happens to you things can happen all the time you know bus could run you over or (laughs) things can happen all of these things right and what happens well it goes into probate which is the process by which you know the court system divvies up everything and says okay here's this is going to your beneficiaries and yes we got all your taxes paid and everybody all your debts paid and okay so what happens if you have just like a little llc is they're going to shut your business down you know and we've all seen how well businesses survive shutdown <laughs> during this pandemic. Most of them did not survive. We want your business to survive. Well, not, not only uh, that, but one of the things that folks don't really have a full appreciation for is one of the biggest small business industries is farming. And family farming, <clears throat> I mean, it's been under assault from corporate farming, but uh, family farming and whatnot has been huge. And it's a, a tremendous impact when, <clears throat> if the business is not properly set up, the primary person that ran the business, you know, is um, uh, dies or something. And then the family is left with trying to figure out how to put all the pieces together. And then somebody wants to come and poach the land and take the business. And, you know, they have to sell assets, reset, sell crops, sell uh, livestock, sell whatever to settle debts. And it just becomes a mess, assuming that there's somebody that actually wants the business uh, after the primary person leaves because a lot right. of kids don't want their parents' business. You know, Just sell it off, make it go away. Generational businesses are, are not as, as prominent as they once used to be. Right. And so right. I love what you're describing around this uh, symphony of, of, of structures you need to actually protect your investment to protect everything that you've built to protect your your wealth so that you can deal with known and unknown situations but yes. but, but sh- share with us a little bit about um you know how how all of this supports the real reason why somebody is in business well you know why are we in business why are you in business randall I'm in business uh, for economic impact for uh, small and uh, diverse owned businesses. This is our way to make a greater impact in the world. And you're in business because you enjoy doing things and you probably enjoy, you know, setting the dollar value of your own worth. Absolutely. You You don't want somebody to say, oh, you're worth $15 an hour or you're worth $50 an hour. Absolutely. <clears throat> and when you pick the wrong business legal structure, guess what? You don't, you don't get to do that. The government is going to tell you what you're worth. And that you have true. to pay yourself that. That is true. <laughs> and people don't know that. And they are, the CPAs apparently don't seem to know that either because they're always recommending these particular structures. And I'm like, no, do you know this? this? <laughs> Oh, anyway, 
right. We were ta- you were talking about farms. Um, yeah, um, one of our clients was a farmer, and he had a dairy farm. The farm didn't make a whole lot of money, so most years it didn't have a profit. So he was supporting it with, uh, you know, funds from another business. Well, the IRS caught up with him, you know, pulled him in for an audit, and they said, well. This is a hobby business. You owe us a hundred thousand dollars, ninety-eight or ninety-six or whatever it was, right? A hundred thousand dollars. So fine, he paid it. Then he took them to court, and the judge ended up ruling in his favor because the IRS. Oh dear, it just fell on my head. Because the IRS has to operate by its own rules, and he showed. Maybe not a profit, but he showed profit motive. Now, profit motive doesn't mean just, oh, I'm in business and I want to make money. No, it's a paper trail of you have the business structured properly. And if you're getting money from other businesses that you own, right, you're supporting it, you have some kind of contract in there that, shows that this is, you know, legit and you're holding meetings with your board of directors. You're keeping minutes with those meetings. Uh, You have a separate bank account. So you're not commingling funds. You can show all your transactions for that business so that when something like this does happen, you can say, look, IRS, this is a business. I can prove it. They look at your records. They look at your stuff. And they're like, okay, bye. <laughs> and they can literally be in and out in an hour if you're keeping good records. Nice I have seen awesome. beautiful farms. And the guy was uh, very high up in a very large, well-known corporation that I won't mention. Um, and he had to sell off all the horses. Farming, you narrowed it down to two. <laughs> No, he he actually had a high level job in a non farming business. Ah, okay. But he got he got dinged. The farm got dinged as a hobby business because it didn't make a profit. It's it's hard to make a profit with a horse business. And um, so they were selling off. I don't even remember how many of these gorgeous gorgeous horses. Mm. I really wanted one, but no, I never got one of them. So. So, so we talked a little bit about, uh, you, you know, how the wealthy have gone about doing this. And we've talked a bit about what happens uh, when you die, if your your assets aren't really and truly protected. And we've talked about why this is really important with regard to uh, what you really went into business for and, you know, hopefully what you what you hope to leave behind. But I want to circle back uh, because you mentioned early on the the various different um, uh, entities, and and we didn't really talk about that that much. But sh- share with us uh, a little bit about uh, you know we had talked about LLCs, we talked about C corporations. But you had mentioned trusts and foundations and other kinds of things, and so just just kind of 
Because, you know, I know the average small business owner would listen to this and they go, yeah, I don't need a family trust. I don't have money for that. And they, no, no, I don't need a foundation because, you know, this, that and the other and so forth and so on. So so generically, what 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 are these 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 entities? All right. Why, why have they become important to, to folks? Why, why, why would a small business owner need to really understand what, what that means to them? Well, they need to understand what it means to them because they need to understand what it means to them. Um, <laughs> sorry. Because their accountant or their CPA or their attorney is not going to take the time to sit down with them. First off, they probably don't understand these well enough themselves. But it probably wasn't an area of specialty for them in law it's school. It's not usually something that most of them specialize in. There's a few that do. They, they had a three-hour course on it while they were getting their, their doctorates of jurisprudence. And they said, I'm going to go focus on transaction law. So there's a book on this if I need to know it. But I don't talk to people about this every or day. Or I'll refer it over to, you know, Joe or Mike or whoever. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, the thing I usually talk about C corporations, S corporations, LLCs, and trusts. Mm -hmm. When I when I use the term foundation, I mean you know the base that you build things on. <laughs> Just so we're clear, because a foundation can be a you know organization that you've set up, and I don't know much about those. Um, but the reason we're interested in C corporations is because there are deductions that you can take. There are things that it can pay for that you cannot in the other structures. So let's say you have an LLC and you need some kind of insurance. I don't care what it is, okay? It could be life insurance. It could be insurance on your, you know, your big heavy moving equipment. It could be insurance on your office building, okay? So you go out and you buy that. Guess what happens? Well, it's treated, it's a taxable event. That means it's treated as guaranteed income for you. With a corporation, it is not, and it is a deductible expense. So right there, I don't know, however much you're spending in insurance, right this is there. how you can save that much a year. Yeah. <laughs> if you got, uh, let's see, uh, well, it's not deductible at all uh, as an S corporation or subchapter S, and you you get a what 22, 24, 28% deduct on it because now it's deductible as a as a C corporation. So I right. mean, if it's a thousand dollar policy, that that's that's two hundred and twenty, two hundred fifty dollars right there. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. And your S corporation. Yeah. It's, it's a taxable event. Um, your C corporation can lease vehicles. It can lease property. It has a ton of deductions that I don't remember right off the top of my head that you can use to reduce its taxable income for one Two, then if you have an LLC, and you use that LLC to manage this corporation and you're doing this via contracts. Okay. It's not just, Oh, I'm going to provide some services today. Oh, they're going to pay me. Yeah. Yeah. No. 
I mean, it's like dealing with any other kind of corporation, right? You've got a contract, any other kind of business. You got some contract that says you do X and I'll pay you Y. Well, you do the same thing with your own because it's they're independent businesses and you have to treat them as such. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, you know, you can minimize the profits that this C corporation makes, which means you're going to really minimize that, you know, dividend tax that they're, you know, the, the, the double taxation piece. Because if it's not making any money, then there's no tax, right? <laughs> right. And then we, you know, your LLC is making money and there's some other strategies that, um, you know, we work with to, you know, minimize your own personal income because now your LLC owns your house. And it owns your cars and it's leasing them, you know, whatever property you've got, right? Um, it owns those things and it leases them to the C corporation. So now the C it. corporation is paying for these things. I love it. And what it did was it reduced your personal income tax. Uh, well, okay, that's not correct. Let me back up. <laughs> okay, so let's use an example of a W-2 wage earner. Okay, and we're going to say, just for math, that they're making $10,000 mm -hmm. a month. Um, they're spending, they're, they're going to be paying, what, 3000 to 4000 somewhere in there, um, just in taxes before they even get their check. And then they have to pay their expenses. When you have your business set up like this, now you're not a W-4, you're a W-9. I think I have my numbers right. <laughs> and your expenses get paid before you get taxed. So you're still paying the same amount for, you know, your house, your house payment, your house insurance, your car, your gasoline, your maintenance, all this stuff, but it's not taxable. It's not coming out of taxable income. It's coming out coming of pre-tax pre -tax income. So now yeah. you're actually, you don't, one, you don't need as much to live on because the business is paying for it. There you go. There you go. And then you can, you know, th there's other strategies that you can do with your financial planner to, you know, sock some of that money away, you know, whatever it is that you want to do with it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Before we get into um, how much this uh, costs, because, uh, you know, if you're the casual person listening into this, uh, <laughs> I, I got to believe that your head is probably exploding right now because they're going... Patricia is like, oh my goodness, I didn't know all of this. Um, it, it, it sounds a little scary and whatnot. Uh, and I don't know that I want to know about all of this. <laughs> all right. But but I want to share with folks, because uh, I know with some of you, you probably have some skepticism, but I, I, I need you to kind of step back for a second, because Patricia and I uh, have gone in a considerable amount of detail so that you can see what this looks like in practice to your business. Patricia just gave you a great example of how, if you do this right, it puts more money in your pocket. She shared with you um, 
what happens in the event that you hadn't really planned for what happens in the event you're not able to run the business. We didn't even get into if you're temporarily disabled, because there are things you can do, even if you're temporarily disabled, to -hmm. make sure that you have business continuity, everything's protected, so Mm -hmm. forth and so on. Um, But I want to step back for a second and share something with you foundationally, and I'll I'll share it with you from the perspective of a a story that I learned um, as a W-2 employee. And the company that I was working with, we were putting together an incentive program for uh, 360 branch managers. And I remember talking to one of the branch managers and he said something I'll never forget. He says, Randall, as I read this incentive program, I assume the company is telling me these are our priorities and I can max out my incentive if I do the things that they say they want done in this incentive package. And so he said, what that meant is if I have a incentive to grow revenues, then I'll sell everything under the sun. If I have an incentive to maximize margin, then I will um, manage the spread between what I'm selling at and the cost that I buy it in at. He said, if I'm uh, incentivized to do earnings before income tax, and, and the point being that depending on what was in the incentive package determined how he ran his business. Mm -hmm. Well, similar to the conversation we're having here is the government writes the tax code to drive specific behaviors and investments. Okay, what Patricia shared with you about how the wealthy do it is they have people who go through and not only input into the tax code, but read the tax code to make sure they're taking advantage of all the different things that the government legally allows you to do. The problem with most of us small business owners is we don't have access to the rich people's uh, uh, folks that they hire to do this. And no one uh, like Patricia has sat down and told us for your small business, for your situation, here's how you approach it. (laughs) So we're telling you things that are knowable and we're telling you things that um, the the government has established for you to do. You just don't know it's available. (laughs) So that's what we're talking about here. I just want to make sure. Exactly. Everybody. Most people don't know it's available. We we don't. We just don't. (laughs) They look at the little individual pieces And they say, oh, well, I got to pick one of those. Well, no. (laughs) Or or we get, quote unquote, simplified advice, which is you just need a subchapter S. You just need a LLC. You need a limited partnership. You you know, uh, things that we go, okay, all right, that makes sense. Let me do that. And so, you know, what Patricia shared with us is first, whatever you started off with, you're not locked into. And if... um, uh, and if you are thinking about how you actually get into this and do it right, especially if you're going to go for Fortune 500 contracts, then um, you know what, what are what are some of some amazing options available to you? But Patricia, share with us what type of investment someone might be looking at to to do to do because it just sounds like oh my god, hundred thousand dollars later, right? And if I had a client like Donald Trump. <laughs> yes, I'd be pulling in high-priced attorneys and high-priced, you know, CPAs, tax pros, 
probably just attorneys. I don't know. Anyway, because the right attorneys do know this stuff. It just seems like there's incredibly few of them. And the ones that are out there won't work with a small business owner because they say, well, you're too small. Well, the reason you're too small is because you don't have the funds to pay them the kind of fee that they want to make. You're there never is. too small to protect your business. I mean, it's like saying my garden shed is too small to have a foundation underneath it. My house is big enough, but my shed is not. Well, you know, maybe the foundation that's under my shed is a little smaller than the one under my house, but it still has a foundation. You're never too small to protect yourself. Um, the only requisite for getting sued these days is that you're in business. And even a frivolous so lawsuit that gets thrown out can still put you out of business. That is I've so seen true. it happen. That is so true. Because it takes time, it takes money, it takes energy. When you're supposed to be sitting at your computer programming something, okay, I have an individual in mind that went through something like this. <clears throat> um, you know, in, instead of thinking about what it is that you're doing, you're worrying about this lawsuit. And yeah, it can actually put you out of business because you so, spent so much time and energy on it that you couldn't do your job. You couldn't, you know, get clients in and you couldn't take care of them. And, you know, there, there goes your business. No, you're never too small. And two, you know, we've made it, my team has made it affordable. It's not cheap, but it's affordable for a small business. I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Well, alrighty. Well, as we begin to wrap up, Patricia, why don't you share with us uh, so anything special you might have for our listeners here? So I have a downloadable PDF for you that goes through the five-step process that a business owner should take when they're setting up their business so that they're protected. Um, is you know, and this is especially important if you want to protect your assets but it's absolutely vital for you protecting your income and you know minimizing your taxes and all of that good stuff. And I have a special landing page set up for the business blueprint. Business builder blueprint? Business partner blueprint. <laughs> business, okay. I have, a special, I have a special landing page set up just for you. And it is located at patriciarezzatello.com slash BBB. And Randall will have the link for that for you, which will be with us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, just for, for, uh, for, uh, for grants, I'm going to put the link below, but spell uh, Rezzatello. Re Re Rezzatello. So Patricia is P-A-T-R-I-C-I-A, -I -I and Rezzatello is R-E-S, as in Sam, Z as in Zebra, E-T-Y-L-O. So PatriciaRezzatello.com slash B-B-B. -B -B. 
All right. We, we, we got it. We got it. I will put that in the link below for uh, everyone. And you're going to want to check out this PDF that Patricia was uh, uh, is, is sharing with you because what I can share with you when you do business with the Fortune 500, you're, you're going to become a target for a lot of folks, but you're going to become a target for a lot of folks because you're making a lot of money. <laughs> Ooh, yes. You're successful okay. now. <laughs> and, and, and this just comes with the territory. And this is one of those things you want to make sure that you have addressed before you start making all the money. Okay. And Patricia is here to share with you what you need to know. And she shared with you that it's a uh, very affordable um, and she shared with you all the reasons this is something that you probably need to get done today. So um, let's see, what other way can people get in touch with you, Patricia? I am easy to find on Facebook and LinkedIn. Facebook tends to be the best way right now. Um, I'm a little less present on LinkedIn. That could change in the near future, one never knows. But either of those are good ways to connect with me. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Um, I'll uh, additionally put the Facebook and uh, well, I'll put your Facebook link in the uh, in the notes as well, and we'll go from there. So, Patricia, thank you so much. This has been highly informative and highly beneficial. Thank you. You're welcome. Happy and to be of service. And for all of our listeners, I want you to um, uh, click on the link below and download Patricia's guide right now. You need this right now. Your action item from this podcast episode is get your business protected, or more importantly, protect your investment. <laughs> yes, protect your investment. You, know, you right. need a huge investment of money, time. Uh, you may have put your house up for a mortgage, you know, people do that. And even there, even if you didn't, somebody can come along and sue you for absolutely nothing, no real reason. <clears throat> and and even all. if they don't win in court, you know, your business can be gone. If they do win in court, you know, your LLC isn't as protective as you think it is. Um, there you go. There you go. And, you know, if there's a judgment against you, you can be forced to sell everything. So there you have it, everyone. We, 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 we're trying to get you to protect your dream, protect your legacy, protect your investment, protect your hard work. And it's not that difficult. Patricia no, it's not. can tell you what you need to know and get you going. So that is it for this episode. Thank you for joining in. Thank you for listening. I greatly appreciate you. And this is Randall Dobbins with Business Partner Blueprint Podcast signing off. And we will talk with you on the other side. Bye for now.